Would you pray with me? Father, we come into this place this morning. Our hearts, our heads bowed before you. Praising, singing to the top of our lungs. Your faithfulness. For you are faithful. God, thank you for loving us the way that you love us. For you truly are our firm foundation. And we come here today to proclaim just that. That you will not fail. You never have and you never will. May you be glorified in everything that we say and do. May you take your glory in this moment. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, band, for leading us this morning. Awesome. Excited to be here. Are you guys still excited to be here? Are you excited about what happened last week? Are you still excited that, that he is risen? Amen. Are you guys ready for summer? Some, yes, all right. Some of you feel excited. All right. I don't know if you have any, uh, how many of you have travel plans for this summer? Like you're ready, you're starting to, to think about travel plans. I know uh, fuel prices have kind of put the damper on that a little bit, maybe, but, uh, but hey, when you got to go, you got to go, right? Like you just got to get out there on the open road and go. Do you remember what it was like when we used to travel with just a set of written directions? Like on the back of a piece of paper, back of an old napkin, and you just took off. And you're like, oh, this must be right. Right? How did we live through that? And you take off and get going, and then you're out. I remember this happened to me. My parents gave me some directions, and I ended up out uh, just north of Leesburg, out in the back country on some county roads. And I'm like, man, something's not looking right. And so you just keep like, well, I'll go a little further, and then I'll go a little further. And maybe something will change, right? Like, <laughs> this is the way it works. No. And then you realize something's wrong, so what do you got to do? You, you, you got to find the, the nearest gas station, and you pull into the nearest gas station, and you pull in, hoping that, uh, that Junior will help you give you some directions back on the, the right direction. And when Junior is no help, you just keep going. And you think this is just going to work itself out. Then you realize, no, I'm completely lost. This is not working out. And then you got to stop. You got to make a purchase. You got to buy a what? Well, before that, the first thing you got to buy is you got a couple of Starbucks, right? We got to buy our Starbucks. We got to get caffeined up because now we're on an adventure. Now we're ready to go. We've got to figure this out. And then you purchase your handy dandy Rand McNally Road Atlas, right? Now, I want to show you this. Gather around, kids, because what this is is called a map. <laughs> trying to get my kids to use one of these on our trips. They're like, you know, we can just follow the blue dot, right? Like, yeah, it's a road atlas. It tells us where we're going or where we should know where we're going to try to go. We try to follow this map. I remember using one of these one time. I was, I was on this trip. We were, uh, we were going to a Christian music festival up in Peoria, Illinois. Good morning to all of our Illinois viewers, wherever you are today. So we're on this trip. We're going to this Christian music festival. I'm driving a 15-passenger van full of college students and some camping gear. My brother-in-law is driving another van full of people. Got a truck pulling a trailer full of uh, music equipment, bands, amps, and guitars, drums, the whole, the whole thing. And we're on our way. And we're following this, and everything is great. We're having a great time. We have to get off to some roads uh, once we get close to Illinois. And, and, and we're in the back roads, and we're following this road atlas as best we can. 
until we run into a detour. Now the detour takes us off down back some country roads, and at first it's fun, and you think safe, like is this okay, yeah? Well, there, there's some other like trusty looking citizens that are also following, and so we're, we're gonna just tail and follow them. Everyone was going the right way, so I thought well, this must be okay, and so we continued to follow them, and we got to this, this one point where traffic just came to a halt in the middle of nowhere. And so we're sitting there for, it took an hour to go the last mile up to where the obstruction was. And what ended up happening, I mean, we're, we're just waiting, right? We're getting out, we're talking to other motorists. We're like, hey, what do you, what do you think's going on? What is this leading to? What's going on up ahead? And uh, some people were saying, oh, this is just where, you know, it crosses the river. We're like, huh? Like, again, modern day, we just call that a bridge. Like, I don't know what the problem is here. But anyway, so we finally crept our way up to the, the edge of the river bank and we could start to see what was happening. See, this was in the middle of summer and earlier in the spring, there had been great flooding in that area. And the bridge that was normally there had been washed out and the next closest bridge, there had been some erosion underneath it and so that one was closed also. And so what they were doing is they were ferrying these cars across the river to the other side. Now, I know what you're thinking, like what you've seen in the movies, the big ferries that have dozens of cars on it moving across, you know, big body of water. No, this is a, this is a barge that can fit only six vehicles on it. And so our truck pulling the trailer counted as two, so the people behind us were real excited about that. So you're thinking to yourself, is this, is this okay? I mean, honestly, I'm just gonna be honest, it looked pretty sketchy at the time. It's like the townspeople got together and said, hey, let's just use old Jimmy's barge and let's get some cars across that way. But we made it across, we put our cars on there, we made it across, ended up having a great week, but man, for a moment I was like, is this how we're going? Like, this is, this is where it comes down to? This is the moment, like, this is how God's calling us home. We're gonna, gonna go crash on this barge into the, to the bridge, and it's just a mess. But one thing we learned through that as we got to the other side is that when you're traveling, you've got to be flexible. We've gotta be flexible because this thing didn't say anything about what to do when there was a detour. I mean, I was trying to find the recalculate button on here and just could not find it anywhere because it does not exist. Now, what we, what we see is we gotta be flexible. Now, the gentleman that we're... Uh, talking about this morning, his name is Abraham. And Abraham was on this trip, except Abraham did not have a map in front of him. He did not know where his rest, next rest area was going to be, his next fuel stop. He didn't know how he was going to take care and feed the people that were complaining in the back seat. He didn't know, he didn't have answers in front of him. He just knew that he was on this journey. And so we see him in this transition from unbelief into belief. We see this part of his life where he, he transitions from idol worship to worshiping the one true God. And so as we, we take a look at his, his life this morning, if you were here, um, were you here last week for Easter? Raise your hand if you were here, excited. Hey, maybe last week was your first week in church in a long time, and I'm super glad that you're here today because we're getting ready to take a look at someone who is very pivotal in the life of the Bible in the life of humanity, someone that God chose to use in a very, very special way. And so we're going to take a quick snapshot and look at, see, who is Abraham? So Abraham, we know, was born in the year 2000 BC, roughly, and we know that. We know that, he, that no other Old Testament character is talked about more in the New Testament than Abraham, somewhere upwards of about 30 times. We know that Abraham was a 10th generation descendant of Noah through the line of Shem, and that, that later Abraham's grandson, Jacob, 
had 12 sons who would become the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel some three generations later. James refers to Abraham as a friend of God. And Paul writes in Galatians that we as followers of Christ are descendants of Abraham. We are, in other words, heirs according to the promise. We're also referred to as followers of Christ, are referred to as children of Abraham as we walk this through the Bible. Now, we're not told a whole lot about the early life and the birth of Abraham, but we know this, by the time we catch up with his story, he's about 75 years old. And in Genesis chapter 11, it says, it tells us this, that Abraham's father was a man named Terah. And Terah lived in the city of Ur, which was in southern Mesopotamia along the Euphrates River. And we also learn in Scripture that at some point of his life, Terah, Abraham's father, picks up all of his belongings, all of his family, everything that they know, and they pick up and they start heading to Canaan. But here's the thing, they don't make it to Canaan. He ends up settling in a place called Haran. We're not told why. We're not told why he stopped the journey. We're just told he ends up settling there in Haran. And Haran is a place that's kind of also along the Euphrates River, but it's centrally located between Nineveh, insert the story of Jonah, good, all right, stay with me class, all right. And also Damascus, the city of Damascus, where someone famous got converted on that road. His name is? Good class. Let's go. Guys are ready. Now, Rob, why is this important? Why are you pointing out and emphasizing the city of Haran this morning? Why is it so important? But here's what I know. Because I know that you and I have both been to Haran or we've been through it. And some of us maybe have gone through Haran. Some of us this morning may still be right there, settled in Haran. Now, when we start off on this, this journey called life, everything's going good, right? We got the world by the tail, we're cruising down the highway of life, we got our favorite playlist on, and we're jamming, we're cruising, checking the boxes, doing all the things that we thought we would do, and then all of a sudden, something happens. It could be a, a physical move, it could be it could be a new family situation. It could be the kids coming along. It could be like graduation from high school, college. It could be a, a new job. It could be maybe someone, someone hurt you or something hurt you. But whatever it is, there has been a pause in your transition. And either your journey stalled out for a little bit, and then you were able to put back in some new coordinates and continue on. Or maybe like many of us, you're still inherent. And we look at Abraham's family in this transition of the move, and for whatever reason, like I said, we don't know, they're settled in Haran. And Abraham's story really turns and gets interesting in Genesis chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start there. We're going to read this short little passage this morning, Genesis chapter 12. So if you would stand with me as we read that, that would be wonderful. Genesis chapter 12. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, so let me just stop there real quick. The name Abram in Hebrew means exalted father. Now the rest of the day, I'm going to call him Abraham because later in Genesis 17, God changes his name to Abraham. The reason God changes his name to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to change your name and call you Abram because what that name means is father of a multitude. And I want to give you a name that shows what I'm going to do through your life. So we continue. 
Lord says to Abraham, he says, go from your country and your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham, Abraham went away as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So Abraham is called out from his home. Everything that he knows, the culture that he's grown up in, the place where he has settled for many years, family, friends, community. And God is calling him out of Haran and tells him to go to a land. Did you catch that? A land that he will show you. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't even get like a napkin with some directions on it. He doesn't get a map or GPS coordinates. He just says, Abraham, I am calling you to step out of Haran and to step towards Canaan. I'm not going to tell you what the landscape's going to look like. I'm not going to tell you where the detours are. You just have to go and trust me. He also laces that, uh, that calling with three promises. Let's review. The first calling, or the first promise is this. He promises that he will have his own land. The second is that he will be made into a great nation. And the third is the promise of blessing. Now those, those promises go on to become what we now know as the Abrahamic covenant, which started in 15 and were later changed a little bit in chapter 17 of Genesis. And if you have a chance this week, go back and, and read those. You kind of like keep up and, and understand what, that, what is really behind that. Because what really makes Abraham special is what we read in verse 4. He said yes. He said, yes, God, I will go. In fact, it's written, it says, he went as the Lord had told him. The Lord didn't ask him. The Lord told him. And it says, he went. And I don't know why you and I like to make this so complicated sometimes. When we clearly hear from God, this is what I want you to do, and we overcomplicate it, we we add things to it, we step back and ask God, okay, are you sure? God's like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Take a step. In fact, the, 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 the writer of Hebrews was so impressed by that, and the, the writer of Hebrews uses Abraham a lot to help paint the picture of faith. And, and in chapter 11, verse 8, this is what he says. He says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he left, not knowing where he was going. Now listen, I'm not going to candy coat this for you. I know, leaving Haran, it's not easy. It's not easy to leave Haran sometimes. I've been there. I've been in Haran. Cruising down the, 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 the journey called life, cruising down the highway called life, took a couple left hooks that I didn't see coming, found myself on the map. And it would have been way easier for me just to say, you know what, no thank you. I'm not interested in getting back on that highway. I'm just gonna roll over and I'm just, I'm just gonna take it easy. I'm just gonna settle right here. 
It would have been way easier just to say, nope, that looks too hard. I'm not getting back up. I'm not leaving here, and I'll just settle here. I was angry, I was bitter, and I was hurting the people that loved me the most. People that were reaching into my life saying, like, God's not done with you yet. Through understanding who my identity was in Christ Jesus, understanding what God wanted for my life, I was able to punch in some new coordinates and get back up onto that highway. I know leaving Heron sometimes isn't easy. Here's what I know, that, that when God calls us to step out of Haran, know that he is calling us into Canaan. Know that God, when God is giving us the strength and the calling to step away from Haran, away from the past, that he's going to give us the strength that we need. He's going to give us the power in his name to accomplish and take the steps towards Canaan that we need to do. We just have to be patient. We just have to be flexible. Leaving Haran isn't easy, but God had a special calling upon Abraham's life. And because of it, it was Abraham, because he needed Abraham to step in to the story of humanity. Now, with every great action movie, there's now what? A prequel that you have to go and see, right? And so I want us to take a break from this story, and I want us to look at the prequel as to how we got here into Abraham's life. Love with the graphic that the, the team has put together behind us. It'll help us walk through that. And here's what we know. That Adam and Eve knew what was, in the very origin story, Adam and Eve knew what was good, yet what they decided they wanted was to have a piece of the knowledge of evil. And when they chose evil, it changed things forever. And you and I are still with that today. In fact, it changed everything. As Pastor Josh said last week, paradise on earth was lost. And it changed and they began to, to, they got kicked out of the garden. They began to experience difficulty. They began to experience dysfunction in their relationship, their marriage, if you will. They began to, to be distanced from God. And the rest of the story as it goes, we can watch how the knowledge of evil began to grow. Because what Adam and Eve chose was in them. And when they had children, it was in them too. So the world's first baby became the world's first murderer. And rebellion, disobedience, violence began to have its way. To the point where in Genesis chapter 6, God pointed out and stated that every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart were nothing but evil. But thank you, Jesus, we are here today because of what we celebrated last week. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, that we are here today for what Jesus did on the cross, going to the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that that took place. Thank you, Jesus, that, that he stepped into our story and changed the outcome. And this is what happens here early on in humanity. I mean, it's like your favorite Avengers movie, right? There's a villain running around causing rebellion, causing destruction, and your favorite Avenger steps in to change the outcome where the hero steps in and God again steps in. And God promised that evil will not have the last say in this. And he pairs humanity back down to one man and one family through the judgment of the flood. And when Noah and his family walked off onto dry land, they were, in, they were charged with resetting the world. But it wasn't long before we realized that, that that seed of the knowledge of evil had made its way onto dry land as well. And so after the flood, God commands humanity to increase in number and spread and fill the earth. Then humanity decides it's going to do the most humanity thing ever, right? 
and do the complete opposite. And so there they did. They said, instead of spreading out, because that doesn't, that doesn't seem convenient, we're going to hang out right here. We're going to build our own city. And we're going to make it cool. And it's going to be about us. And it's going to serve us. And we love, we love us some us. Like, that's just who they were. They weren't interested in what God had to say. They were thought, we're going to serve us. And so they built this tower in the middle of the city, the Tower of Babel. As the scripture says, it reached the heavens. And they said, we're going to worship who we want to worship. We're going to make a name for ourselves, not you. <laughs> okay. And once again, God steps in and sets restraint on the advancement of the knowledge of evil. And what he does, as we read in Genesis 11, he confuses the languages of the people to the point where they begin to turn on one another. They couldn't understand each other, so they began to spread out for their own safety. And the Tower of Babel was left abandoned. Now, those first 11 chapters of, of Genesis talk about the history of, of the world. The story of, God fulfill, of how God fulfills the promise really starts right there in Genesis chapter 12. Because it zooms in and focuses on one family, one family only that we have just now read about. And Abraham ends up in Haran because that's who he was. In fact, Joshua 24.2 tells us that Abraham, his father, and his grandfather made idols in which they worshipped. In other words, they served other gods. This was the lifestyle that they were in. Think about this. Abraham served gods of his own making while he did not even know the God that made him. But one day, everybody say, but one day. We've all had a but one day, right? We've all had a one day in our lives where someone stepped in. But one day, God appeared to Abraham in physical form, visible form, just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. Acts 7-2 makes this clear. It says, the God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, those verses we just read, you know what I, I want you to get out of that. It's, I want you to see this. It says, and I'll make a name, make your name great, and then in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So what is he saying there? That, that promise he made to Abraham about blessing, it's not just for Abraham and his, and his family. It's for all the families that come behind him. That promise basically is for you and for me. Now notice where God's blessing begins. Watch this. He doesn't say, Oh, Abraham, you're, you're seeking me out, you're worshiping me, so I'm going to bless you. No. We already saw this. Abraham is seeking other gods. He's serving and worshiping other gods. God, in his glory, just appeared to Abraham. Just appeared to him. Chose him, reached out. You see, God went looking for Abraham long before Abraham ever thought about looking for God. And you know what? God has been looking for you long before you ever thought about looking for God. That's the picture of grace that you and I live in. It's as if God is saying in, in, in Genesis chapter 12 to all of us here in 2022 today, I know my people are going to come and, and maybe seek after me, so I'm going to seek them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to bless them. It's the free gift of grace that you and I are experiencing and picturing. So we get back to, we get back to Abraham and where he is in his story. But hold on, we have a situation here. Because something's happening. God has promised to bless him in this great nation. And Abraham's looking around. He's going like, I don't hear any kids in the nursery, God. Like, what's going on? Like, what is happening? I mean, we already know that Abraham in this moment is what? 75 years old. And Sarah is, well, I was raised. We don't talk about a woman's age in public, right? So we won't go there. But she's not far behind him. 
They're probably well beyond the age of childbearing in most, by most accounts. But both of them together are really, really, really eligible for Social Security. We'll just leave it at that. So that raises the question, how, how are they going to be this great nation? How is this going to happen if Abraham hasn't started to see the fruit of these promises? How is this going to happen? So he's asking these questions. God, I got to Canaan, and I looked in, and guess what? The Canaanites are still occupying the land. You know, this is like you and I, when we walk into the worship service on the weekend, and we start heading to our seat, and we're like, honey, look, the Canaanites are sitting in our seats. I can't believe this. Everybody knows those are our seats. That's our row. I can't believe the ushers didn't already rope that off. I, I can't, the nerve of them. We're just going to turn around and go home and watch it online. Now, I'm teasing. That's in another church. That never happened here. You know that. But here's what I do know. That when we pursue the promises of God, there's going to be adversity. When we, when we chase after the calling of God, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be storms that you and I have to walk through. It's just part of it, part of being flexible in the calling. God just wants to see that we're faithful to step out of Haran towards Canaan. And we see all this adversity. Because sometimes it's like to, 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 to reek up to the line, stack up to the line, look into Canaan and go, you know what, that looks hard. I'm not sure I heard God correctly. We, we step up to the line of Canaan and we go, huh, that means I'm going to have to have that hard conversation? Oh, God, let me step back here. Let me hear from you again because maybe I didn't hear you correctly. We step up to the line and we say, oh man, I'm going to have to overcome my fear of what to do this? I better step back. God, I must have misheard you. No, God says, I don't need for you to take a ginormous step into Canaan. What I need you is to take a faith step out of Haran and baby steps into Canaan. And here's what I've learned. That for every step that I'm taking out of Haran and in towards Canaan, here's what I see. That every little step, Haran, my history, my past, gets smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror as I continue. God is going to empower you and strengthen you to walk where he has called you to walk. We cannot stay in Haran any longer. Do you know what the adversity that Abraham went through in fulfilling these promises? Do you know what that tells us? A couple of things. It tells us that only God can fulfill God's promise. The promise, really, it's, it's a gift of grace. The blessing that God gives to his people, not only does it come, can only come from him, but it depends on him. Not Rob. Not us. It depends completely on him. Now, you and I are really good, or at least me, at taking control back from God and wanting to drive. God reveals the plan. He reveals this promise to me. And I'm like, okay, great, God. I've got it from here. I'll take it. Thanks, God. He's given me a direction. Thanks, God. I got it from here. I, I got it. Here we go. Right? Death grip on the wheel, and sooner or later, you know who's going to put it right in the ditch. Man, I get in those moments, and I feel God tap me on the shoulder, and like going, hey, hey. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You want me to take my hands off the wheel? And he's still tapping on my shoulder. I'm like, what? no, I don't need you to take your hands off the wheel, Rob. I need you to get out of the driver's seat and get in the passenger seat. You're not driving this. And man, that's painful to hear sometimes. That's pay painful to, to, to walk through. Sometimes it's one of those detours that we didn't see coming. 
We have to be faithful to pursue it. You see, the big theme in, in, in Abraham's life was faith. We've seen this. See his transition from unbelief to belief. Idol worshiper to worshiping the one true God. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you just to turn a, a few chapters over to Genesis 15. Now in this moment, obviously, this is a reminder. Because Abraham's doubting. Now we know that in the end, Sarah gives birth to their first son, finally. Generations later, the fulfillment of the promise, the land becomes theirs. But along the way, in that transition, Abraham's got questions. Abraham's got doubts. And I want you to see how God encouraged him and let it encourage you today. This is a clearly years have passed now. God has already, since the, since the promise, God is just reminding him what the promises are. And of course, Abraham's full of questions. And in chapter 15, verse 1, he says this, says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. He says, fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, and your reward, it will be great. It's a great reminder for Abraham, right? And Abraham's response is with more questions. But God, I can't see how this ends. God, I can't see even like the next step. This doesn't make sense. And in that moment, in that doubt, in that uncertainty to wherever he was in his journey between Haran and Canaan, and even into Canaan, those first few steps, God reminds him like this. He says, Abraham, I want you to walk outside into the dark of night. And I want you to look up at the, at the dark sky. And I want you to count the stars if you can. And I can just see Abraham walking out into the dark of night, staring up at the, scarlet, the starlit sky and beginning to count. The realization that they're too innumerable to complete the task. The realization what God is saying to them. God whispers to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. It's as if God is saying to Abraham, see all those stars up there? I made every single one of them, each with its own shape, each with its own brightness. And if I promised you that I'm gonna deliver you, you can trust that I'm gonna fulfill that promise. I don't know where you are today, whether you're still in Haran, or maybe you've left Haran and you're still journeying towards Canaan, towards the promised land. Whenever and wherever it is that you may run into detours, run into doubt, start worrying about what the future looks like, I wanna encourage you to walk outside, look up at the stars, to rest in him who says, I have delivered you from Herod and I will surely deliver you 
to Canaan. I am a God of promises, and I am faithful. If you're doubting anything in relationship to God today, look up at the sky and count the stars.